welcome to episode 12 of the Cop Talk Podcast. I'm Brent Perzicki, joined again by Mark Lambert and Jim Lambert. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. hey what's up? Number so, 12, huh? Wow. Yeah, so as we uh, discussed in the pre-show, I got to say that uh, we've had a pretty eventful week. Uh, I know I have, working back-to-back 14-hour shifts. I know Jim has, because I got to listen to him barge in on our channel every 20 minutes. Thanks, Jim. Buddy pal. Um, My bad. And Mark is always busy. So, you know, Brent, if you guys were a little more proactive in talking on the radio, I might have heard you doing something and wouldn't have known that I was interrupting another channel. See, the sad part is, is when the helicopter speaks, the whole county hears. <laughs> and it just happened to relay everything you were saying, which was pretty funny when you know each other. So, right. I don't know, like, Joe. Oh. I, don't, I don't think they get on the radio when they fingerprint kids, do they? Uh, Ouch. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's. Yeah, it's all right. When R1, I'll be uh, fingerprinting one cook for. <laughs> <laughs> or as we like to say, up oh, shots fired, ten nineteen. <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, that's actually our poor cadets uh, thing when that, when we're at work in the fair is this. Brent, crap. unlike last year where you stumbled into a uh, shooting in progress, did you that have was, any uh, that was, incidents? That was two, two years ago when I got shot at, but not shot. At by the sawed-off shotgun, that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any that similar was... incidents uh, this this year? Uh, no, uh, actually, the only thing that happened was Friday night was uh, the shooting that happened next to the fairgrounds, which really ended up being not in our area. So everyone was pretty well behaved at the fair. Hey, we're cool. It's across the street. Yeah, we'll go back. Yeah. Hey, no, really. Hey, it's right over there. We're hey, get those shells and throw them over there. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's hey, very. Really- very interesting dividing line around uh, the fairgrounds there. So, but uh, yeah. For so. our new listeners, Mark and Jim Lambert, the ones that wrote the book Cop Talk, and Brent Berzicki. Did I pronounce that right? All these years I've known you, and I still can't pronounce it right. No, that's uh, spelling, so I don't know what the problem is. The big help in uh, putting the book together and editing and uh, publishing and all the uh, tech work and everything. What do you and mean? Uh, you can go to our website. He was the only help. <laughs> That's true. I didn't want to make there's, it sound like that. There's honesty for you. Hey, how do you use Skype? Oh, never mind. Famous quote. <laughs> no, what anyway, the heck is Skype? <laughs> this is useless. <laughs> go ahead, Mark. What's the website? Sorry about that, buddy. Uh, www.coptalk.info, which Brent set up. You could read all about Jim and me and the book we wrote. Why we wrote it, and uh, a little bit about us. You ever notice how Mark sounds like country western when he says WWW? Yeah, yeah. I think he likes to sing it. Mark, say it again. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go. WWW. See, that's it. It's the W. W. I can't even say it like him. Yeah, well. I can do a shout out like him, though. Any shout outs, Mark? Mark is one of a kind. No, nobody has uh, called in to tell us where they're at. Hey, give uh, a shout out to Sheriff Joe. I don't blame him because if you uh, if you're in the water and Jim's around, you don't want him to know where you're at. So, dude, I went somewhere today. They were actually talking about Sheriff Joe in Arizona. It was awesome. That's good. I wish he's, we had he's a got Sheriff it going Joe. On. I'm telling you, he's got it going on there. I'm telling you, you need to give a shout out to him, dude. I he think anytime you're anytime you're forced to work. What chain gang and pink attire? I think that's good stuff. 
only to get off at the end of the day, get a three-minute cold shower, and then have to pedal your ass to watch <laughs> Judge Duty on TV. I mean, that's badass. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> and if they well, complain the about it, he goes, hey, our troops are living in tents in a lot worse weather than you. You know, suck it up and stop your whining. Yeah, and that is yeah. true. And so, unlike, yeah, unlike the county jails where they get in an argument over ESPN or ESPN2, so they destroy their TVs and have new ones all the next day. What was the exactly. quote about uh, his support of police dogs? People complaining that he treats the police dogs better than the inmates? <laughs> They're working for a living? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, they don't break the law and they're working for a living. That's good stuff. All right, so do we want to start with some uh, stories of the stuff we dealt with uh, there, Jim? Uh, we can. Or are you allowed to speak of it? I think it's public knowledge. Okay, so why don't you start? Only the cities little, uh, will remain anonymous to protect the innocent. Yeah, even though it's pretty... The, you're talking about the incident with the little girl? I think that's one that we should cover, and we could talk a little bit about the safety issues there. And then, uh, yeah, with summertime coming up, the weather's getting warmer, and people going to the waters and beaches. I think it's a good topic to cover. Yeah. So why don't we start there? Because I sort of heard this whole thing go down, and I can I can pine in on the resources I know we sent. I know you guys were there, but but well, I yeah, mean, it's, it's 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 unfortunate, and you know, it starts out as being. Uh, a birthday party for a classmate so you send your 10 11 or 12 year old child you know to this birthday party thinking that there's going to be adequate supervision and then you know you end up getting a call right before dark that your child's missing and what your your biggest fears are end up being true because you know in this particular case uh, a number of the children kind of ventured off to this little island uh, that borders the, the main river and there was a bunch of rocks and, and toolies there, and they were kind of playing around on the rocks. While the tide had been going uh, or coming in, the rocks were wet, and apparently she slipped into the water. And because of the strong current there, uh, she was a non-swimmer, didn't have any flotation on. No one was, uh, was watching her, and uh, she slipped into four or five feet of water, panicked, and, and uh, then the end result was um, she drowned. Yep, and her... Uh you know, her classmates or her friends were there at the party, saw it happen, and just a tragic accident. And, I mean, the bottom line is, I know people are throwing the blame around all over. There were adults at the party, but I'm telling you, if a kid cannot swim, you shouldn't let them play right at the water's edge. And if they are going to play at the water's edge, you need to have a life jacket on them uh, to prevent an accident like this. There happened to be a drop-off right near the rocks, and the, the girl slipped and went in the water, and... She went under, and that was it, that quick. Well, that's the key word that you just said, Mark, was, was uh, to prevent something like that. It's totally preventable. And all too often, I mean, this is only May, and, and this is kind of an early prediction of how busy it's going to be in the Delta. We get drownings where a kid starts struggling and, and uh, going under, and dad who can't swim does the dad thing and tries to get out to the kid. And then you have a, a father and a, and a son both drowned in, you know, seven, eight feet of water. And if, if you use precautions, especially if you're a non-swimmer, you know, and have flotation, have anything that you can throw to somebody, make sure that, that you don't get into that situation in the first place. It's just, it's uh, depressing. You know, me and Tommy, my partner, we were... Uh, we got called at 7, 7.30. We were on scene, uh, 
till probably two in the morning. Uh, and then the dive team came out and we started a dive operation. But one thing that stood out in our mind, you know, we looked over and, and the mother was sitting on the beach totally by herself, uh, in almost kind of a fetal position. Just, you could tell what was going in her mind. She was just staring at the water like she was a zombie, you know, knowing that her daughter was out there. And it, it's, uh, you know, I'm not a parent. You are, Mark. But the first thing I thought of was, you know, you know, your two daughters when they were that age and, and my friends that have kids that age. And God, I, I just can't imagine how empty and horrifying that feeling is. And, and it's it's preventable. That goes back to the whole idea behind writing the book. People don't believe it's going to happen to them. That's that's the whole thing, whether it, the different crimes we describe in the book, people don't think it's going to happen to them. In this case, there were adults chaperoning. I don't know all the details how far away they were, but apparently the kids were playing on the rocks down by the little shore there. And obviously there wasn't somebody close enough, you know, to see what was happening until until it was too late. But the bottom line is if that kid had a life jacket on, they would have yelled and said she slipped in the water, but she would have been floating. Somebody would have been able to jump in, grab her. Uh, even if the current took her out, she would have been floating to where she could have been rescued. But without well, a life you know, jacket, you know, you've it, done this it all, with boats. It all depends. It depends on the mindset of the adults, too. And I think any one of us, you, me, or Bran, or anyone else, if we saw our kids over by the water's edge, the first thought is, hey, we got to have someone over there, you know, or, hey, Mark, can you go watch the kids for a little bit, and I'll be over in a, in a few minutes. But you know you what? Know, if mom was at the party, that might have happened, but mom wasn't even at the party. She had gone to a friend's party, and maybe the kids of the friends, uh, maybe those kids knew how to swim, and the parents just assume, hey, they're, they're okay down by the water, but the mom wasn't even there at the party which right. is uh, what the sad thing is. And who knows, maybe if she was there, she would have said, get away from the water, you don't know how to swim. But well, let's just say there, is, there should have been adult supervision at the water's edge with the kids, somebody watching the kids. at the water, I agree. And you run into this too, where out on the Marine Patrol, uh, you said that you've seen little kids sitting on the swim step of a boat as it's idling, and all of a sudden they get overcome by the, the fumes and they fall in the water. And yep. um, you see that a lot during the summer. Yep. But look, uh, you know, we grew up in, in Oakland, and uh, the first thing I remember, that I can remember, is uh, mom sending us up to Diamond Park and taking swimming lessons through, uh, you know, the park and recreation. You know, why why don't you teach your kids? I, I mean, those, those programs are so cheap and inexpensive, and most of the time through the community, they're free. Teach your kids to swim, you know, at, at the earliest age possible. Yeah, because they're going to be going to friends' birthday parties at houses that have pools or swim parties. I mean, it just—it's really a recommendation to teach your kid how to swim, just to avoid something like this. And the reason we wanted to touch on it, like Jim said, we're just into June. We're going to be getting in the hot months. You know, kids could drown in a bathtub. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of water for a kid to drown. So, if your kids are aware of the safety and they know how to swim and and whatnot, they could avoid something like this. You know, it reminds me of something. One of the worst jet ski accidents I went to was uh, four or five years ago where this 15- and 16-year-old, and uh, it was boyfriend and girlfriend, the parents of the 16-year-old boyfriend um, offered to take the girlfriend to the Delta for a day of, of kicking back on the water. The parents of the, of the daughter of the girlfriend said, hey, we don't mind if she goes, but we're adamant she does not get on a jet ski under any circumstances. She doesn't know how to ride one. 
Um, we want her to stay in the boat. If you're on the beach, that's fine, but we do not want her on the jet ski. And the parents assured the, the girl's mom that that would not happen, that they'd, they'd watch over her. Well, as soon as they get to the beach, mom and dad start the barbecue. They're not really paying attention to the kids, and they had two stand-up jet skis. Well, the boyfriend, of course, wants to take the girlfriend jet skiing, so he says, hey, get on that 550 and, uh, you know, let's go out. She goes maybe 50 yards and turns right around a Thule Island on a blind curve and gets run over by an offshore boat doing 50 miles an hour around the corner, and she gets double-propped by, by both those, uh, you know, the, 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 the outdrives. The operator of the boat was coming around the corner, saw this girl riding this jet ski on her knees, which made her even more difficult to see, and uh, he pulled the lanyards on the boat, and if the props had been spinning, she would have been dead. But because he pulled the lanyards, the outdrive still, I mean, she broke almost every bone in her body and, and had the most lacerations I've ever seen, and that was from the props not spinning. That was just from all the hardware under the boat. But the bottom line is these parents assured the girl's mom, hey, we'll take care of her, she'll be in the boat, you know, nothing's going to happen. And then then the daughter's being flown by, you know, CalStar to John Muir in critical condition, and it's like, you know, how do you, how do you prevent something from that, you know, something like that from happening? Well, you got to be a responsible parent. If the kid doesn't know how to drive a jet ski or if the parents say, please, she could go with you, but don't let her get on a jet ski, those parents need to, you know, say, hey, you know, we're responsible for you. Your parents don't want you on a jet ski. Sorry, you can't take it out. But, you know, I, I know in the real life that doesn't happen. Well, Kids and, do a and, lot of things they're not supposed to when they're not away, you know, when they're away from home. And do they even have, is there any repercussion for it? No. I mean, yes, other than, no. other than just, I mean, other than I feeling went, crummy. I, I had to go as a uh, expert witness to the civil trial, which took place uh, three years later. And of course... You know, people get frustrated. Unfortunately, sometimes they get calls from civil attorneys uh, giving them the wrong idea. But they tried suing uh, my county, saying that there should have been signs. Uh, you know, and then they tried suing, uh, you know, the, the manufacturer of the jet ski itself, saying there should have been better labels on the ski. You know, all this ridiculous stuff when the bottom line is... The two most people responsible for that whole accident were the mom and dad who assured the other parents that they'd be watching the girl and not letting that happen. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I could only imagine if we had to put a warning label on everything that, you know, for every possible reason, you wouldn't be able to get on the thing. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes, anyway. when, you do, sometimes when you do the right thing, it's, it's the wrong thing. But, you know, how about that dude... Uh, what they were cleaning windows in a building with a with a uh, lift a crane, and uh, ran it into power lines. And this one guy totally, from what witnesses said, was engulfed in flames uh, from being electrocuted. And the coworker actually tried to help him and get to him, and he friggin' ends up getting electrocuted and uh, and uh, exploded himself. But uh, you know that was a total case of the coworker trying to do the right thing and, and help his buddy out, and, and they both ended up paying for it. Well, didn't you, you you were talking about something like that last week with the guy that took that piece of metal in the arm. You know, a bunch of right. people that don't know what the heck to do, and one person that's like, uh, help. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, From what I understand, it was the cherry picker, and he backed it, backed it, you know, not paying attention, backed it into, 
and it wasn't this little residential line. It was the high, the 150,000 volt trans main transmission lines, and uh, he backed it into that, and it just exploded. And from what I understand, they both caught on fire, and when they regained consciousness. You know, they tried to beat the flames out, but they're both in critical condition. And medical couldn't get to them for an hour because they thought the lines were still hot. They had to get assurance from PG&E that the lines were uh, dead because if a rescuer tried to get up there, you know, what good's a rescuer going to do if he gets electrocuted also? So they had to make sure the lines were dead. So there was a delay in, in getting to them. But, man, they're both in critical condition. And that's just a... A thing that we say in our book, pay attention to your surroundings. I mean, in a situation like that, if the guy looked around as he's using the controls, he would have seen the lines and that could have been prevented. But you know, again, that's something that's something that was controlled by OSHA. You know, I mean, these guys are, are industrial workers. You think they would be aware of that and it'd be a priority. We had a couple uh, two sixty-five year old people, a man and a wife, on a on a gorgeous sailboat in the delta and they sailed into an area that they shouldn't have sailed into at high tide uh... which made the uh... overhead power lines even more low than than normal and uh... the tip of the mast caught this power line and dude instantly uh, i mean these two people were just vaporized and and the boat caught fire it's just you know you go out for a beautiful day on on the river and uh... You know, you're retired and, and you're out enjoying what you love most. And, and because you let your guard down and, and don't pay attention to your surroundings, like Mark said, you're friggin' dead. That pretty God, much I'm depressed. Up. I'm I depressed. Mean, it's now. amazing what electricity will do. I've seen some pictures of uh, copper thieves that tried to tap into the wrong uh, wire of a power pole, and there's just nothing but a blob of clothing and a little bit of flesh there. I mean, it, it's amazing what that power will do. It's it's like getting a microwave hey, bulbs. Now I'm not depressed anymore. I saw that picture, and that was uh, that's justice right there, or, <laughs> that or karma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but on the on the flip side of all this, and on the side of well, if you look at this entire incident, taking away all the sadness that goes with it, but. If you look at the amount of resources that were expended to go to these calls and to handle these issues, both these situations or any of these issues, I mean, the amount of resources that were spent and the amount of people that had to go and deal with this drowning issue was quite, I mean, it was quite a few people, right? Yeah, pretty oh, extensive, so, yeah. So, so really, in the end, and the reason that the book was written and the reason that we talk about this every week is... All these things are avoidable. I mean, I know just from our crew that worked with you, Jim, there must have been at least six people, plus helicopter, plus well, there I don't were know at least how six, many. There were at least six boat crews, two helicopters, the fire department, and uh, and all of uh, you know Mark's uh, PD. You know, it was just uh, and then the Coast Guard too. The Coast Guard, as well, sending water units, set a bunch of ground units. You know, everyone right. was searching the shoreline and everything. And it went on for, I know it went till 2 that night, and then it was again in the morning, right? Yeah, then it resumed uh, first thing in the morning. At 6 or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, that's it's just amazing. I don't think people understand that if you, if this never happened, we're talking potentially 20, 30, 40, 50 people that could have been out doing their normal job. Right. Which is trying to keep crime from happening in these locations. and Right. I you know. mean, in one aspect, that is our job. You know, it oh, is our job absolutely. to respond to, to incidents like that. However, that that was an incident that could have been completely, you know, preventable. Right. Um, 
responding to a natural disaster or a major emergency like that is is a lot different than something that could have been preventable and and that was totally preventable right and if there was another incident that was un, you know a non-preventable incident that happened during that time that's a whole another problem that we have to face every single time we look at these incidents so exactly well now on the book I just want to point out on the book it says what you don't know will shock you and that had nothing to do with any incidents involving electricity just to point that out <laughs> general disclaimer <laughs> do we have although, to make that do we have for to make those that incidents, for those t- two incidents I guess it really does apply but yeah well that's uh yeah and between that and the lack of respect that was shown to me at the uh, at the fair this year I'm uh, I'm pretty sure that our society really needs some fixing. <clears throat> Should we go back to some George Carlin uh, famous quotes? Uh, yeah, I think we might have to try to refrain from those. <laughs> yeah, that's why that was in the pre-show. Yeah, Beep. yeah, that's all. That's all the pre-show <laughs> contains right now is Beep. is <laughs> so. I mean, you say if, Jim. Beep. <laughs> I don't really There's think I even heard Jim's sen- voice. There were more beeps in the sentence than there were words. Yeah, there was just lots of. It, I think it's just constantly on. How about when you're amazed? Beep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as for water safety and issues surrounding drownings, I mean, any other good pointers that you guys can give off offhand? I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it, I. I never learned how to swim, so I I had well an incident as a kid and then refused to go in a pool ever again. But well, the thing is with that accidents, if let's you're at a as you're getting a little older, you go to a party with friends. There's a swimming pool, and you're not going to go swimming, but somebody pushes you in just for fun, not really, right. and you don't swim. So it's I mean accidents like that could happen, and then everyone's laughing at Brent floundering in the water, thinking he's joking around, and until he slowly sinks to the bottom with a weird look on his face. Yeah. So it's good to learn how to swim. Um, if you don't, bottom line is put some flotation devices. They got these little inflatable tubes you could put on your kids' arms. Uh, they slip right Brent over the arms. Floaties. I gotta get some of them. <laughs> I think Brent's incident was somebody urinated next to him and uh-uh. he didn't know it and then then got uh, sick but now they have that blue dye to where no you know <laughs> no, my 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 incident was very much as Mark said it which was screwing around his kids got pushed in the pool and then fell off one of the steps and fell backwards into the pool and watched Ew. my life rush in front of me yeah and then wow. I think I think after that point it was I don't ever need to swim or go near water. I'm cool. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting to say the least. Oh, that could have how, a traumatic effect. Uh, pretty young, I think, like five or six. You know, it's funny how something when you're that young stays with you for the rest of your life. Because yeah. I'm 54 now. God, that hurts to say it. But anyway, <laughs> hurts me you know, to hear it. When Mark may not even remember, but you know. My parents took us camping up to, into the Santa Cruz Mountains when we were young, and I got in a sleeping bag, and there was a friggin' snake in it. And to this day, I am so deathly afraid of freak. I mean, if it's a four-inch little garter snake, I'm friggin' sitting on top of my van. You know, <laughs> I'm literally petrified. And uh, we had these people out at Mandeville where there's hundreds, uh, thousands of boaters getting ready for the the Hilton fireworks. We had these people frantically flagging us down for screaming help, and my partner. He was a new kid uh, from the jail out for a weekend ride-along, and he goes, what do they need? I said, I don't know. We'll find out. 
So we get close, and we said, what, what's wrong? And they said, there's a snake. <laughs> so I instantly started backing away uh, with the boat. And he goes, aren't you going to help him? And I said, yeah, we are. So I nosed into the houseboat, and I said, get off the bow and go see if you can help those people. And he <laughs> goes, why do I got it? And I said, a good captain doesn't leave the boat. Oh, good so, answer. So he th- yeah, so he thought it was a legitimate reason. So like an idiot, he gets off onto the houseboat. Dude, it was a rental houseboat, and this thing had been been living or hiding in one of the anchor lockers and it had to be five feet friggin long it was ah scared the (laughs) heck out of me but point being when something like that traumatizes you as a kid you know it it stays with you forever yeah i was traumatized having mark look at look at me now i mean i'm traumatized by having mark as a brother he scares me Brent didn't mention that the pool that he got pushed in was a four-foot diameter (laughs) kiddie pool with four inches of water in it. But, hey, it's still the same. Doesn't matter. Uh, Two feet of water, man. I'm cool with it. It is what it is. It's all about admitting where you have problems. And it was when they were trying to hold you under the water is where the problems came from. Well, you know, I was a jerk then, even. (laughs) It was just a group hug, wasn't it? Yeah. Some things don't change. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, God. Camaraderie, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we just had Memorial. We just, I mean, you know, you said with summer coming up, we we just had Memorial Day weekend, and I want to say every other boat that we came across was broken or drifting onto the rocks because people hadn't used them all winter, didn't check them, thought they could just launch it and uh, turn the key and get ready to go. And uh, A, you need to have your boat completely serviced and, and gone through impellers after just sitting, get hard, and, and uh, they don't flex and they don't work. Your engine will overheat, and then you're stuck out there in the current. Uh, there's so many hazards out there. You know, you need to have communications. People don't realize that, uh, hey, yeah, cell phone's great, but if you can get a half bar of signal strength out in the middle of nowhere, it's going to go to a CHP center to someone who has no idea where you're at because they don't know what the delta is. You should have the phone numbers programmed into your phone for the local uh, sheriff's office or the Marine Patrol or the Coast Guard. Uh, you need to have your boat checked. Make sure that you have a life jacket on the boat for each person, that you have a throwable flare device, gun. flare guns, a sound signaling device, uh, everything. And basically, the, the operator of every boat, whether it's the, the owner or not, the operator of the boat is responsible for everybody's safety. And, uh, you know, you got to stay on top of that stuff. Is there like make sure you obey all the laws out there too? You might get some wild deputy on a patrol boat that rams your boat to get you to conform. (laughs) Well, I guess you got to listen to the pre-show to hear that. I think that I think the words comply, but that's okay. Comply. I don't think it was ram either. It was gently nudged. I think think his boat his boat might have conformed to the other boat, but he gently nudged it at forty miles an hour. I don't know what (laughs) you guys are talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So, I gotta admit though, for. I've never heard of a pit maneuver done on a boat before, so I'm very proud of Jim. Yes, it's it's going to be on cops, I'm sure. So yep. the question I have as a non-boater is a non-smoker, non-boater, non-smoker, non-swimmer, and non. You drink water? Um, I like hot tubs. The <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we don't need do to they go have there. Blue dye for hot tubs? I think they do. Um, do. You have one in your gated community? I do. Hmm. So, can I ask my question now? Dude, wouldn't that be something if you were in the hot tub with a hot chick and this big blue cloud <laughs> starts forming around her and you know that it ain't you freaking taking a leak into the hot tub. That's, wow. I think that's why you have bubbles and jets and then you can't really tell. 
But Brittany, you're a dirty girl. <laughs> Did you drop a candy bar? <laughs> <laughs> Baby Ruth. Uh, All right. What was can, your question, Brent? Can I ask my question now? Yeah, yes. go for it. So, if I go out and buy a boat, just like if I went out and bought a motorhome, is there a special class I have to go through to be a safe boater? Well, there, that's uh, a two-sided coin. There are classes available, but are they required? No. You know, and California is one of the few states where licensing is not required to operate a boat, although in many states it is required. You actually have to take a test and, and have a, a license to operate a boat. Unfortunately, California is not one of them, and that's due, uh, or that's partly due to why there are so many accidents and, and incidents involving the waterways. Yep, you, you can, can go get out by and a buy jet a jet ski or a boat and could take it right down out, the long ramp. You can go out and buy a, uh, an eighteen thousand dollar, two hundred fifty five horsepower Sea Dew jet ski that does uh, eighty miles an hour, and go out and rip it on the river without having any instruction or, or knowledge or anything, and uh, get yourself killed basically, or kill someone else. Right. So. So I can go buy whatever I want, hop out on the water, not know anything about channel markers or anything, basically go out and do whatever I want, get as drunk as I want, and then plow into somebody and kill them. And really, there's no there's no regulation on any of that other than if I got caught. No, and I mean, there's certain statutes that, uh, that you would be held c- accountable for, like reckless negligent operation. But right. how do you know, having no documentation in front of you, how do you know what reckless you know, uh, negligent operation is. However, aside from the uh, scale of penalties that are in the harbors and navigation codes, which really aren't that extensive, uh, like meaning a BUI arrest, you know, the fines are nowhere near as, as uh, effective as DUIs on the street. If you get stopped for a BUI, there's no uh, attachment to your license, which means there's no increase in your insurance rates. Uh, you pay a small fine, you have to go through a formal boating course, and then uh, you're on probation for 15 months. But that's nowhere near as strict as the penalties for DUI. Wow, yeah, but, no kidding. But on the other hand, where you get nailed and can lose everything that you've worked for in your life is in uh, in the civil case, like the one in the, uh, the jet ski with the young girl that I said earlier. Uh, that civil case went on for, for uh, two to three weeks. And when you start awarding, uh, you know, multi-million dollar settlements against the party at fault for being reckless and negligent, then you, you quickly learn what the meaning of those two words are. Hmm. And in that... There's, in, you know, well, like, say, Bethel Island and Discovery Bay, you know, the majority of those two communities up here have, uh, you know, no wake zones because of all the, the uh, residences that are on the water. Mm-hmm. It's not only for... for property preservation but there's a lot of areas where levees have broke and we get people all the time that think it's an open area and they think they're not doing anything wrong and they're doing 40 miles an hour right past the sign that says no wake zone and that the response is always well why you know there's nothing around here we thought it was okay well that's a county ordinance for levee preservation to keep the levee from breaking like it did eight years ago and flooding out you know 40 homes and killing livestock and everything else but People don't realize, but when you operate a boat, you are required to know, you know, what is safe and prudent and, and what equipment is, is required on a boat. And, you know, you're required to maintain safe operation for your passengers. <laughs> Mark, you 
do realize that everybody can see that when you instant message. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, you can read it. <laughs> we won't. We won't talk about it. So, okay. So basically, okay. So I, I just I think we've covered it, that. Summer's coming up. Take precautions. Take right, care of your just, equipment. Make sure it's uh, seaworthy, and you're not going to sink out there. And just you know, use your common sense. Just amazes yeah. me that you can be handed a weapon with no training and basically go out and use it as much as you want. It's the same thing with RVs. It's the same thing with a lot of different things. But, you know, you put, you know, two 90-year-olds in a 47-foot RV and expect them not to run into stuff. I mean, I, I don't. there's no training. There's no licensing. There's no nothing. But you put one guy in a big truck and he has to go get a special license that, in most cases, they can't even get. So, I, I don't know. Just a, I guess that's just the way society is. I don't know. Yeah. So, moving on from water safety and depressing stories of drowning, um, Mark, you wanted to talk about uh, some stolen vehicle problems. Yeah, just we still have a lot of stolen vehicles. <clears throat> um, just recently, we had two incidents where uh, the suspects were caught with shaved keys. One of them, they got in an accident, fled from the car. Um, well, wait before you. Before you go farther, why don't you explain what the heck a shaved key even is? Well, I'll get to that mid-story. Um, there was an accident, a stolen vehicle accident. The guy fled from the car. Um, they couldn't find him right away. Another car gets stolen right in the same neighborhood. They find that car at a gas station. Uh, they contact the guy, and he's got a bunch of shaved keys in his possession, one of them which um, started the car. And what it is, is they take keys and they'll just shave them down, they'll grind them on the ground, and they just work them until they'll open uh, car doors and vehicles. And a lot of the older cars, uh, the Toyota Camrys, a lot of the Hondas, um, some of the Saturns, they could literally take a key. And we're not telling anybody something new. It, the thieves all know this, and that's why most of them have that many keys in their possession. They could take an old Honda key and just grind it on the ground a couple times, try it, grind it a little more, try it. Eventually, it'll work, um, especially on those old, the older cars that I just mentioned. So a lot of the, the, the Hondas, Toyota Camrys, the ones from the uh, 90s, if you have one of those, take some precautions. Go out and get a club. We've mentioned this before. It's the cheapest insurance uh, you can get. You put the club on, and that's enough of a deterrent for somebody to look inside the car, see the club, and then go on to the next car. Uh, the old Camrys and Hondas, a lot of them could be stolen in probably under 10, 15 seconds for them to get in the door, start the car, drive away. With the club, especially the newer ones, I don't think they could be uh, defeated as easily as some of the older ones. But, you know, if your car gets stolen, it puts a lot of people at risk. Or risk the officer that tries to pull it over if a pursuit uh, happens innocent people in an intersection because the suspects always blow through intersections and lights like Jim said uh, we were talking in the pre-show uh, getting on the freeway going the wrong way because they think if they drive crazy enough the police will stop chasing them and so it puts a lot of people at risk um, if you have one of these cars get a club get some kind of disabling device but uh, do something to take the precautions. There's a big increase in stolen vehicles, and it's amazing how many of the suspects out there have pocketfuls of these shaved keys. They just they shave them down and get different shapes on them, and they just try a few of them until it works. I don't know. I mean, I worked for a towing company for almost three years, and I can tell you that with uh, with an investment of 150 bucks, 
purchasing the kit online and having any experience whatsoever, you can get into just about any car in under 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. They sell the uh, the lock-picking stuff all on the Internet, the Slim Jims they sell. Yep. Now, if you get caught with some of that, though, that's possession of burglary tools, and you could be charged with that. So a lot of the burglars, you know, they don't carry stuff, you know, the kits and stuff around with them. But if they have a few Honda and Toyota keys and they just grind them on the ground and shave them, um, it'll start a lot of those older cars. The ignitions yeah, and if you, locks are just so worn out. Okay, so you say if you get caught with that. If I get, let's say it's me, and I, and you and I just have a set of it, but I'm not burgling a car. That's not against the law, right? Well, if it depends on the circumstance. If if they catch you in a suspicious Ah, you so know, I, I have to be attempting to break into a car, maybe. Right. And, of course, if you're on parole, you're not supposed to have anything illegal like that. But, uh, you know, too. shave keys are, are burglary tools. Um, if you have legally have a lockpick set, uh, no, it's not against the law. Or you're a locksmith, right? That or, is true. Or a tow truck operator, which is kind of scary. Shave keys. Yeah, well... Some people shouldn't have those things, I tell you. Actually, hey, Mark, I think could you clarify something? You said this be, started Trump? out as a stolen vehicle accident. Was was the vehicle stolen by accident, or how, how did that work out for the guy? Well, for the people that don't understand that, sorry, Jim. <laughs> stolen vehicle accident. It was a I, stolen was that a vehicle, vehicle stolen by accident? Involved in an accident. <laughs> oh, I got it now. Here, hang on. I'll type it to you. I like okay. how I like how Jim says it ten minutes after. <laughs> well, I was trying to get a word in edgewise, but oh. I was enthralled at the on the edge of my seat. Uh, well, yes. after your forty-five minute on water safety, I figure I might as well talk while I can. Oh, Ouch. yeah. You know, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. That's an important it's topic. Okay, Demetrius. <laughs> That's okay. So. That was after a sex change. His name is how many, Demetrius. So how many cars? How many? I want numbers. Like, how many cars stolen do you think last couple months? Uh, ball sack? Why don't you answer that one? <laughs> <laughs> that, I wow. believe, that I believe is his Greek name. That's Mark's name wow. in Greek. <laughs> hey, I didn't name you. Don't get mad at me, <laughs> Demetrius. <laughs> ball sack. <laughs> Is that his middle name? <laughs> it's actually a hyphenated oh. name. B A L dash S A C or S A K. Hyphen sack. <laughs> so Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> so Mark? I forgot what we were talking what are the, about. What are the stats? Uh, I, I, Mr. Don't, I don't know. Brent, what were were we on water safety still? No, I wanna know what the numbers are for the amount of vehicles stolen at your Jurisdiction. Actually, after Jim got through talking, are we still on episode twelve, or are we into thirteen now? <laughs> you know. How about could we get the numbers of vehicles that are stolen by accident versus the vehicles that are like intentionally accidentally stolen? stolen? <laughs> Just Uh-oh. answer the question. What was that story about that one lady that pulled out a gun? She thought she was in her car. She was actually in somebody else's car, and when they confronted her, she pulled out a gun because she thought it was a. She thought she was in her own car. Anyway. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot. You answer the question. (laughs) Well, every day, one department, the one department I'm with, every day I go in, there's several new vehicles on the board every day. So multiply several vehicles times all the police departments and sheriff's departments out there gives you an idea. There's basically, I would say, hundreds across the county. 
on a daily basis. Now, OnStar is the greatest thing in the world. We, we've talked about this before. They could tell you where the vehicle is, the direction it's heading, the road it's on. That is the greatest thing in the world. We even had one inside of a garage. We couldn't find it on the street. They kept telling us what street it was on. We didn't see it. I had them activate the horn, and I could hear the horn honking inside of a residential uh, the garage. So OnStar is a great thing. I recovered a vehicle the other day. I got a LoJack hit. That's another system people put on their car when it gets stolen. You call LoJack, you have them activate it. And the police cars that have the low jack sensor in it, um, it starts beeping and it gives them a signal strength and it with a little arrow, it's like a compass, it leads you right to the car. So low jack, I mean, uh, they're more expensive than a club or something like that, but any precautions you could take uh, is a great thing. I've had people with cars that were stolen, they go, well, I had a club in the car. I go, you had a club on the steering wheel? They said, well, no, it was in the back seat. So it really doesn't do any good in the back seat. Um, OnStar and LoJack, that'll help you get your car back a lot faster. But the bottom line is take precautions where it doesn't get stolen in the first place. Have you ever precautions. Had, have you ever had OnStar do a vehicle stop for you? No, but... Uh, or they I, remotely I, stop the vehicle, which I think, I, I got to tell you, honest answer is... I think that's the most dangerous thing on the planet. But Well, if they're on a city street going 25, 30 miles an hour, um, you know, and there's not a lot of pedestrians and stuff around, that's that's great. Late at night, not a lot of traffic. Well, I, I don't I mean, no, you're not going to do it at 75 or 100 miles an hour on the freeway. Yeah, I'm I'm not actually meaning safety for them in the car, safety. I think I think as cars get more advanced, I think we're going to have a whole new level of crime, which is going to be having people that are able to access these onboard systems and actually take advantage of some of these features that we think are cool now that are going to turn into the next big crime thing, which is affecting people's cars. Like pull up next to you, stop your car, carjack you. Yeah, criminals are always one step ahead. They're, they're always trying to get ahead. That's a, that's a huge thing that they've been discussing lately about uh, – onboard car systems and uh, security, especially since most of these cars are becoming, you know, basically internet aware, which is just incredibly scary. I don't so know why if, OnStar, if OnStar disables a suspect driving your car on railroad tracks and the car stops on the railroad tracks with a train coming, would that be, would OnStar be liable for that? I would, I, that, that's a, that's a great question. And I don't know. I would assume yes. And it, also if a police agency tells OnStar, kill the car right now, kill the ignition, yep. they kill it, and it crosses over double yellow lines because all of a sudden there's no braking power or, uh, you know, the steering's all hard, and it gets in a head-on collision and injures someone, is the police department going to be liable? Yeah, and I think that's something that I'm going to try to do some research on this for some other issues that I've been it's, looking it's into. It's all about the intent. I think OnStar should contact the suspect and say, we need to know whether you intentionally stole this car or if you stole it by accident. And then that would determine what kind of level of force could be used to stop well, the car. I'm hey, pretty you know, sure. If you watch that show, that, uh, the 1085-1 show, the stolen vehicle, uh, I forgot what it's called on TV, where they use, I think it's called bait car. And they have Grand, the bait cars out there and they get stolen. Grand and, Theft Auto. You hear the uh, you hear the suspects coming up with their stories. I mean, it's actually funny to listen to these guys, the stories that they're trying to. Uh, My friend lent it to me. <laughs> My friend let me borrow it. Oh yeah, where's your friend? <laughs> down the street. What's his name? I don't remember. I mean, it's just, the <laughs> stories they come up with it's amazing. But it's funny because all the doors lock. The uh, 
They kill it. The ignition stops. The doors uh, lock. They can't even get out of the car. It's a funny show to watch. Yeah, unless you're in the car. Speaking right. of funny, hey, Mark, did you have to leave at 730? Um, yeah, it was probably beyond that now. but uh, I mean, you guys want to wrap this up and uh, yeah. carry yeah, on we're, next week? We're or? 58 minutes, so that includes a pre-show. Brent could put in some of the pre-show. Uh, no. I think. How about some bloopers? We could do bloopers. I think I'm just going to erase the pre-show. Uh, people would love to hear that. Uh, Are you going to erase me calling Mark Balsack? <laughs> it was you way, know, it was way worse than that. <laughs> actually, the pre-show would be pretty boring because it would be 15 minutes of Jim talking, but all you hear is beep, beep, <laughs> beep. <laughs> I, I don't even think there'd be a pause in between it. All right. So, so we can wrap it up. And then, I mean, next week we'll dive back into more topics in the book. But, uh, yeah, no, I, that's... Uh, I guess dive that's back good, into? I guess dive back into, yes. Like you know, back for somebody that doesn't like swimming or water, wow, that's back, a pretty old word. Sorry, maybe we should back into it accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> Is that better? How about push so, backwards? So, so on that note, we'll wrap this up. So for anybody that actually listens to this show, after listening to you two guys for a complete hour, I can't imagine there are any. Um, coptalk.info, you can ask your questions. It's all anonymous. Please feel free to email us however you want to do it. Uh, you get a free this, book if you ask us the question. This is true. I actually sent out a couple this week and got uh, positive feedback from people, which was amazing. But I got so, the book in the mail today, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> I had to send it to two people, so I sent it to you guys. So, <clears throat> so other than that... Um, what happens if I steal a car by accident? <laughs> You get accidentally arrested. <laughs> but do I get a free book? <laughs> yes. I should Thank hand you. them out at the jail. Oh, that'd be cool. Maybe I'll just bring a case down there and say, hey, hand this out as reading material. Hey, is there a statute of limitations where I could still charge Jim for locking me in the trunk for several hours, the uh, endangerment? Nope, seven years. <laughs> no, and I'm pretty sure you deserved it, so. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. See, with that sigh, I'm sure you deserve I, it. I don't so. know how Jump passes polygraph with half the stuff he did to me, but hey, that's another I, story. I lied. Probably, or, yeah, or was, <laughs> or, or they were both laughing together for hours during the test. So, uh, all right, well, we'll wrap I, it up. I told up. him I tried to suffocate you by accident. <laughs> and you can't suffocate. Wow. You know, Jim gets something and he just runs with it. Yeah, you can't suffocate in a trunk. There's anyway. Accident. Hey, that reminds a, me of all the times when Jim was driving and what he did to all of Dad's cars. Accident. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. On you a serious open, note, you hey, open our, the door. Our, our sincere condolences to the to the family of of the involved uh, incident up in our area over this weekend. And you know, unfortunately, those incidents go uh, way across the board across the United States. I mean, it happens on a regular basis, whether it's a swimming pool in the backyard or a hot tub or out on the river or at a lake where everyone's getting together. And, you know, it's, it's totally traumatic for anyone to go through, but, uh, our but not condolences. Just the parents. It's traumatic to the cops, the firefighters, the rescue people. When young children are involved, it's traumatic for everybody involved. And we're just trying to say something like this is preventable. And, uh, yep. please take the precautions. Watch your kids. Yeah, and I'm sincerely sorry for all the people who went to the county fair that uh, were actually good people and for all the other people that we had to arrest. So with that, we'll uh, see everybody next week. All right, see you next week. See you guys. Stay safe.